This is episode 35 of the Brick and Data podcast, a podcast dedicated to retail news, analytics, and tech. Coming up in this episode, Coach is now tapestry and people are losing their minds. Under Armour isn't cool anymore. Amazon flexing its supply chain muscles once again. And more in this episode of Brick and Data. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Brick and Data podcast. This is Todd Harris, and I'm joined by Jose Chan, and this is us, PostShop.org 2017. Hi, everyone. Which was a lot of fun, right, Jose? So we'll oh, be just a quick, 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 super quick recap oh, on that, goodness. right? Yeah. It was fantastic. Uh, we had some great guests on there uh, from Retail Minded and Barney's. Yeah, that was great. And they... Um, I don't know. I was thinking back, like if I was going to be a guest on a podcast that I've never been on before, what would that be like? And they're really easy and prepared and they said really cool things. You know, they gave us some really nice insight into the various areas that they specialize in, like retail minded with their specialization in in the independent retailers, the smaller side of the retail world, which is it's an area that doesn't get covered a lot. And it's sure. it's the important area, in my opinion. That's where all the potential is, the growth, the opportunities are. And um right especially when it comes to Amazon's marketplace. Those are all independent retailers there in that marketplace, and they have their own unique issues. Exactly. And, and to contrast that, I mean, the, the Barney's um, interview was actually about tech and what the trends are, which is something that is changing our industry as we speak, right? And trying to find that next nugget of innovation, which will help a company uh, move forward. So. It, both of these conversations actually moved the conversation that we're having forward because it gave us different perspectives on on our own perspectives. It absolutely did. It absolutely did. There's no doubt about it. It was a blast. Both of them were great. Two different ends of the business. And I think all we needed was a um, maybe a department store or something like that to fill out the <laughs> fill in the gaps there. But it was great. Uh, we really enjoyed it. And um, and oh yeah, and and of course we just got some word that we'll be at. Uh, big show in January, doing our thing there too. So we'll do some live uh, live podcasting there too. So that'll be fun, and um, we'll have to see who we can line up for that, Jose. Maybe that's a department store. Maybe. Maybe we'll see. Well, let, let's let's get on with it. Let's let's move into the goodies that we have for today. And uh, the first thing we want to cover in our lineup of stuff is Coach. And we we've talked about Coach, um, I think a couple times throughout the past year of of this podcast. And uh, this past week was a big week for Coach. I mean, honestly, this past 10, 12 months has been a big uh, set of months for Coach. Um, The big announcement this week is that Coach is now one of the brands inside a holding company called Tapestry. Um, Well, as we all know, Coach picked up uh, Kate Spade and Stuart Weitzman um, over the... Well, Kate Spade was this past year, Jose, right? And Stuart Weitzman was prior to that? Or is it after that? Okay, prior to that. So now there's three. It seems to be the magic combination of having three brands uh, in a in essentially a uh, under a corporate umbrella. But maybe we all thought that that corporate umbrella would be called Coach or Coach Inc. or some variation of that with Coach Stuart Weitzman and Kate Spade underneath it, kind of similar to Urban Outfitters, right? How Urban sure. still has Urban underneath it, uh, but they also have Free People and Anthropology, so. Right. Pretty or big Gap news, Inc. and everyone's kind of lost their minds over it this past week, wondering what the heck is going on with that name. Yeah, or it could have been, to, to your point, like Gap Inc., right, where you have uh, Banana, you have Old Navy, and Gap, as well there as Athleta. Go. 
that's that's exactly right. Uh, so, but which is the best way to go? I mean, another while we're throwing examples back and forth, another one in the tech side is Google and Alphabet. I mean, right. honestly, I heard Alphabet and I was like, what? 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 Exactly. I'm like, oh. Okay, great. I mean, only Google could do that, I guess, but clearly not. Um, Coach is pulling a Google, but for the retail side. Right. <laughs> yeah, but I, I think, I don't know about the name. I mean, it, it's, look, it's debatable whether it's a good name or not. But well, what what it does is try to give them a, a fresh start, right? As you mentioned, we see this in other industries. We saw this in the tobacco industry, right? Didn't Philip Morris uh, change its name? Uh, didn't uh, back into the apparel industry. We, we saw PPR became caring. And everybody was like, oh, caring. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the key is probably making sure whatever your name is, does, that doesn't really matter, that you deliver the goods, which is the results, right? Which they, they have been able to do uh, in the recent quarters, right? That they've been growing and that's given them cash on hand, which has given them the ability to make these acquisitions, strategic acquisitions, if you will. Yeah. Um, it, but I also wonder what we didn't know <clears throat> about some of the, some of the, uh, the movement behind this. And cause I, you know, on the day that it happened, um, there's a couple comments on Twitter that I should probably mention here, which will give some color, uh, n- not by us, but by a couple of notable, uh, you know, reporters and such in, in retail. One of them, was by uh, Courtney Reagan, who's a CNBC reporter specific to retail. You can always see her at a lot of the retail events, too, and obviously on on TV. And, and she was kind of caught off guard by it. I mean, her tweet on uh, two days ago was, uh, what? Coach changing its name to Tapestry Inc. Doesn't this negate the point of heritage, legacy, etc. in high-end branding? I mean, yeah, sort of. Yeah. That's an interesting <laughs> point. Yeah, no, it, I think it... I think it does. And then uh, Andrea Wasserman, who's um, uh, she's a retail CEO consultant. So she's got history at Nordstrom, Hudson Bay, Lord and Taylor. Anyway, um, she's well known in the retail world, too. And she, you know, she agreed with with Courtney. And she mentioned that this is a bizarre quote, quote, uh, this is a bizarre and this is bizarre and a strategy departure. Dying to know the logic. So maybe there was some strategy that they thought coach had that didn't include changing its name but perhaps i mean it's interesting right i mean i i would agree with that but they if you think about the corporate name it's really something that investors see i mean unless you're a diehard coach fan and you're following sec or their investor relations (laughs) component you would never really know uh that Actually, the name of the corporate entity is now Tapestry versus Coach. And I think Coach, to its consumers, um, just to take a different vantage point, which is still going to be Coach. Like It's yeah. not like they changed their Coach store brand name to Tapestry, right? Uh, so ultimately, yes, I agree with that. You need to keep your heritage and you need to keep um, a lot of that intact because that, that, that's the intangible that gives you that – uh, acid on your balance sheet, like Coca-Cola, mm-hmm. uh, right? The name mean, means a lot and is worth a lot, but it doesn't really change the way you do business necessarily, right? So I, I think we're uncomfortable sometimes to change. Uh, and look, I, I'm not running coach, <laughs> but <laughs> I, I don't necessarily like the name. But 
uh, it's not going to change their, but as an investor, if I were an investor, not that I am, I, it wouldn't really bother me too much as long as they're delivering, as I mentioned, um, their quarterly earnings number and not changing and really messing around mm-hmm. with their coach brand name uh, as it relates to end consumers. Right. And, and I would I would also, I think that those are all fantastic points. And while we're talking about was this intentional or not, I think it absolutely was intentional. I mean, they've been, they've been making moves this past year. They've been making moves for a few years that no one really noticed. But there was a, um, you know, a few years ago they they announced, they mentioned, I don't know if it was on an earnings call or from someone on the on the executive team, but it is in one of the articles that we'll link in the show notes. But uh, essentially they, they mentioned three years ago that they were going to start reinventing themselves, you know, uh, evolving from, quote, a mono brand specialty retailer to a true house of emotional, desirable brands. So they're looking at this as a growth, another, pe- another piece of the pie. Um, extending extending their their revenues, extending their margins, extending their brand presence uh, across other maybe diversified brands underneath this tapestry. Uh, it was definitely an intentional move. I mean, this mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like this is an accident. We all know, but I mean, I think when you've got people questioning, oh, what is this for? Why are they doing this? It doesn't make any sense. This is off their strategy. No, I think this has been their strategy the entire time, and sure. this is how Coach is gonna is gonna extend the brand moving forward and you're right yeah a coach is still coach to you and i to the regular shopper no one knows any different you know maybe they'll see tapestry as as part of some advertising or as part of maybe a coach um catalog or something or you know they'll see it in the, the footer online on the website or you know so subtle like again with urban outfitters or the ones the examples that you mentioned before it's not very in your face it's more of a corporate bucket it's a you know, it's a means of growth. Mm-hmm, exactly. Yeah. And, and even one of their brands, their acquired brand, so Kate Spade. I mean, we could even go there in terms of what it did for them. Uh, so Kate Spade was originally, if we go back in time, Liz Claiborne. So it was a Liz Claiborne corporation. Really? I yeah. know this. Well, it had about, Liz Claiborne at one time had a couple of dozen brands under its umbrella, right? So it started off as Liz Claiborne. Um, which was really the Liz Claiborne Corporation, and it purchased a bunch of brands, everything from Mex to a lot. Juicy Couture was part of their roster. Mm. Uh, they acquired Kate Spade, and then what eventually. What happened to Juicy Couture? Is that still a thing? I Is that gone? I have followed them, but I, I don't. Since I'm not a customer, I haven't kept track of exactly yeah. where they are. Yeah, that's curious, man. It's just a flashback name there. Yeah, exactly. Hmm. Well, that was one of the brands under their stable. And so what happened was the CEO, uh, Ron, Ron Charon, um, pretty much stepped down. And then you had a new CEO take over. And he started the acquisition that occurred, started to unravel, meaning he started to sell off brands to, to focus on core businesses, right? <coughs> and so eventually they changed their name to Fifth and Pacific, which was exactly the same as Tapestry, right? And then they changed their name yet again to Kate Spade, Inc., mm. when they were down to one brand. So they want from a Liz Claiborne to a whole bunch of brands to one brand <laughs> in the end. <laughs> and then they get acquired by Coach, who was their competitor. <laughs> That's insane. That is really insane. It's amazing. What, a, what an interesting space this is. It's never ending. It's like a, a wheel. Just a wheel, wheel circling around. A bunch of hamsters running into each other. It's fantastic. <laughs> 
but but I guess the, the, the gist of it is again it, it as long as you could keep your earnings going that's the key right uh, no, no one's ever going to say anything right on. if you don't right and that's their goal here there's no doubt they need to make changes and they're doing it good for them good on you coach <laughs> All right, enough, Coach. So let's let's talk a little bit about a different a different space. So we're moving away from the the, the what, do, what do they call the mono brand specialty retailer leather stuff to uh, to sports to um, athleisure um, athletic wear Under Armour. So Under Armour apparently isn't cool anymore. That's news to me, but I guess you know that's not whole, cool. I, I don't. It's not cool. I agree. It's not cool to say that. First of all, right. and they're fine. Okay, Under Armour's great. I love them so much. Um, but anyway, I guess it's not cool what they're saying to teens. So obviously, you know, we we can't relate to teens. We're way, we're, we're just a few years past teens. Uh, but what, what do you mean we can't relate? To teens? <laughs> we already went over this, Jose, about <laughs> millennials, and we were at shop.org. I think both yeah, of our guests that. heard us talk about millennials and how we're trying to fake that we're millennials, and it's great though. I think <laughs> well, we're not faking. No, no, we're we're true older millennials. Right? Did you have to remind our listeners about that time? Yes, I did. <laughs> 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 I take a really subtle pride in that I'm not a millennial. Sorry, millennials. Um, oh, man. I wonder how many people we lose after I say that every time. Anyway. Uh, okay. Don't so, worry. We really are millennials at heart. Yeah, at heart we are. We have to be. I think in retail, you kind of have to have a little element of that in your personality or in the way that you think. But, yeah, um, exactly. But I guess Under Armour, it's not the case. But then again, uh, we're talking, if we're talking teens, we're talking Gen Z. Right. So, mm-hmm. all right. So we're talking teens and these, these are, this is based on, uh, bear with me here as I review these, um, data points here. But so Piper Jaffray did a, uh, survey called taking stock of teens. So apparently teens are, are quote unquote, not just aren't into Under Armour anymore. According to a, an article from business insider, um, it was the number one brand that upper income male teens said they no longer wear, uh, f- for the full year, according to the survey. Um, so apparently Under Armour, Under Armour has fallen from grace, uh, for that group, for that audience down from eighth place, uh, to 11th place for upper income male teens among the preferred apparel brands, uh, from a year ago. So, you know, and from quote unquote average income male teens, I guess that means the family, the, you know, they're what their family makes, whatever the, the idea is that it fell, right? It fell several spots. Um, beneath other brands such as Adidas or Adidas and um, uh, Nike, nice. right? Nice. I'm, I'm learning, Jose. Yeah. And so this is interesting. I mean, it's uh, Under Armour's been struggling. They've been struggling. Let's be right. I mean, I'm sure yeah, you have not. plenty to add to this, Jose, and I'll just let you kind of uh, chime in here. But they've they've got some issues, and um, but it seems like they need to fix it for a few targeted audiences of theirs. Yeah. Look, absolutely right. I think that they've had this growth spurt and we know that their biggest competitors as you mentioned are adidas and nike and so they, they've been having some issues but let's let's look at the, the, these teens right so I'm, I'm not sure if that if it's that surprising that they wouldn't think it's cool anymore because if you think of it generationally right if millennials think it's cool right then usually uh, a successive generation like a gen z would not think it's cool because they're probably siblings so that they are siblings right meaning that if you have an older brother or sister uh you don't want to wear necessarily it may change mm-hmm. right what your older brother or sister's wearing because it's just like uh, they're wearing it you want to do your own thing especially as a teenager right mm-hmm. so you would look for other brands so so the real key here isn't necessarily what teens are saying but 
making sure that Under Armour has enough of installed base of consumers in order to keep earnings going right. uh, is the key. Right? <clears throat> Regardless and, of what, uh, what set of consumers that is. They just need a ex- base. Exactly. And of course, you need to look in the future, right? So for example, in retail, we're always talking about millennials. Why? Because they are a segment that will essentially take over uh, the spot left open by baby boomers, Mm -hmm. right? In terms of sheer numbers, they just have that uh, quantity, but they just don't have the income levels yet that baby boomers now have, which, um, and we're stuck in between as Gen Xers, right? Because we're not as big as a generation concretely in the US is either one of those. I don't have a number for you in terms of relative size of teens or Gen Z. We could look that up uh, for a future show, but uh, look, these things can change. Yeah, no no doubt. And I know that just from my my son who's 13 he's um he's more concerned about less the brand but who's wearing the brand in a way so if he sees Mm -hmm. if he sees someone like um you know one of his favorite nfl players or i don't know wearing a brand or being sponsored by a brand um you know if uh so take an example like lebron james he's 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 kind of he doesn't really care about lebron james he's he thinks he's a good player but he just doesn't you know he doesn't like his attitude things like that so if lebron james you know is signed with under armor i don't believe he is i think he's isn't he nike or something i'm not sure i think i think yeah i think he might be nike yeah yeah so um he wouldn't purposely you know he wouldn't purposely avoid that brand by any means but it certainly doesn't help things so there is that angle of, um, especially with teens, is okay. Who, 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 who did that brand sign with? What, you know, what, <clears throat> what NFL, what NBA player, what swimmer, whatever, whoever it is, um, did they sign with? Is, is Michael Phelps suddenly, uh, you know, wearing Under Armour all the time? So you know, of course not, because he's got his own brand now. But you know, <laughs> those things matter too, especially to that, to that, uh, to that, to that audience of Gen Z. Um, I think we've talked about them in the past. Yes. A fair amount. We have. And, and they're, I think, um, going to become more important <clears throat> again. But uh, I think that they might be in between that generation and another generation, depending on how the numbers turn out, right, yeah. in terms of, of, of concrete numbers, yeah. which is interesting. It is. So, yeah, hey, Under Armour's got some stuff to fix. They've been up and down throughout the year. We'll see how they end up. And, um, uh, you know, they're still, they're still what, top, uh, top four or five? I mean, they were yeah. number one or number two just a year and a half, two years ago, exactly. I believe. So times have changed, as they always do. But hey, you know, it's not all, you know, roses and butterflies for Nike. I mean, they're, they've are they got some big old 40% off thing going on on their website lately. Um, and remember, you know, dial it back a year ago, two years ago, you would never see a 40% off sale on Nike or on any of the main brand names websites, right? Um, it would be very rare, at least, to be limited to just very special occasions around the holidays. Exactly. Or but this is just something clearly they need to move product. So Exactly. <clears throat> and so, look, we'll see. Their next, their third quarter earnings call is the 31st of October. So right now it, it's really in terms of speculation of whether they're going to hit earnings. They're not going to hit earnings. The, the most recent data we have on them is the fact that they had to cut part of their workforce uh, 200 jobs, right, back in uh, the second quarter. And th- right. that was <clears throat> that was the big news back then. Uh, but in, in between, to your point, yes, it's been speculated up and down, but 
the proof will be October 31. Yep, for sure. We'll, we'll follow up on that one, I think, as, as we usually do. So whenever it's earnings season, we usually like to, to, to pick on some retailers. Good and bad. Good and bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, anyway, so let's, let's talk about the, the, the third topic today that we have um, as we approach the, the near end of, of this episode. Um, <clears throat> Amazon. Amazon is flexing its supply chain muscles once again. So, what, Jose, what's going on with this, this seller flex thing? It seems like they're trying to... Um, they're, they're trying to shorten the supply chain. They're trying to shorten that last mile, right? Yeah, exactly. They, they are trying to shorten that last mile. Uh, and they're developing this uh, delivery service component, as you uh, mentioned, uh, which is titled Seller Flex, right? Which is um, a place where they would transport vendor packages to customers' homes directly from a warehouse, right? Which sounds to be similar uh, to what they might be doing uh, with their delivery trucks. But this is, I think, a complement to that. And what's interesting about this is the fact that when this was announced, it was a report uh, that was produced uh, by Bloomberg. Uh-huh. Um, the big, let's say, hoopla around this wasn't was that, but also it was, wasn't a, it's just a report, but it became controversial because it, there was one line that suggested that Amazon is going after UPS and FedEx, mm. right? And this is the line, seller flex will push the online retailer deeper into functions handled by longtime partners, UPS and FedEx Corp, mm-hmm. right? So this, these words, right, uh, sent UPS and FedEx's shares tumbling in pre-market trading. Right. Right, and so both those companies had to go under damage control, and issue different statements on Market Watch. I mean, right? I'd so, be interested to know the percentage of UPS and FedEx business that's Amazon. I'm, exactly. Uh, you know, that would I think that would help explain a lot of that. <clears throat> I'm not clear as to what it is. Of course, if if any of our listeners do know this, that would be in- very interesting to to hear. And I, I'm also I was just thinking through how a typical supply chain works for. Amazon or anyone, I guess, anyone selling. Um, but for Amazon, given that they have multiple warehouses and fulfillment centers, they still, I believe, and again, I'm asking the audience to correct us or me if I'm if I'm wrong here, when they they package something up at a warehouse, at an Amazon warehouse, um, do so if UPS is picking something up from them, a UPS truck arrives there, picks up the stuff, but still has to bring it to a sorting center, a sorting facility at another location, I'm guessing. So it can be distributed off to the different areas of that that range that that um, fulfillment center uh, that f- that fulfillment center delivers to. I'm guessing. Uh, so this this it seems like this, regardless of how complex that part of it is, <clears throat> that alone right there is a chunk of UPS business lost. And this other end of the supply chain, this kind of other part of the last mile supply chain is being eaten up by Amazon, which surely will save them costs in the long run. Um, it seems like it's going to cost them a bit to get that part of it in order. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, sure. this isn't even talking about their own planes or their own fleet necessarily yet, but it's getting right. close to that. Yeah, and that's a good point. And I think what we have to bear in mind is, so look, so there was, everybody was like, oh my God, they're going to try to take over UPS and FedEx. Uh, let's think about it from their vantage point. It's, a bit costly <laughs> to try to t- 
take over someone that specializes in this already. So they probably have to invest, not that they don't have the deep pockets, a lot of money in order to compete with them. I, I think the, the intent um, wasn't so much about taking over UPS, FedEx, right? I think the real intent is, to your point, taking more of a chunk of the supply chain into their own hands in order to optimize their delivery, um, let's say, to the end consumer. And really, this should be seen as probably a warning sign, a bigger data point, right, for um, retailers to look at systems that will help them compete against Amazon. Because for all intents and purposes, uh, they're going to go, it brings them one step closer to being physical, even though they're not physical and they're mostly digital. Yep. Uh, and though they're in grocery, I think it, it, that's the big signal. It's kind of like we're not physically there yet. Uh, unclear whether they want to be physical in apparel um, or other parts of retailer besides retail besides grocery. But let's, let's be very cautious as retailers and say, hmm, I'm not going to let them uh, control everything with end consumers, right? That they that right. shop with them and perhaps with me. Uh, I need to beef up my own, let's say, logistics, if you will. As, as we know, online's growing. It's not the biggest proportion of revenue, but it's growing. How am I going to protect myself? Right, exactly. And, and the key point here with following off of that is that they have, they need to have a warehouse. You know, Amazon needs to have a warehouse nearby. Um, to be able to do this, to to execute this seller flex program, so they they still, even though it's Amazon, they still aren't as close to the consumer, to the customer as as the the regular brick and mortar retailers are, as the Best Buys are. You know, um, for example, they're you know this this will only be a bit of a threat uh, for Amazon and I'm sorry for UPS and FedEx. And a benefit for Amazon in those areas where they've got a warehouse that's in reasonable distance from where they have to deliver these packages to, right? I mean, so I don't know what percentage of the country that is for them or or, or what, but it seems like, you know, other retailers looking at this as a threat. Sure, it, it is a bit of a threat um, in terms of Amazon's ability to make it even faster to get it get it to their uh, to their customers, but you know regular brick and mortar retailers that are strewn out all over the country and have stores still have that as their as their as their main benefit as their main as as their key to getting product to their customers because they're the closest still but amazon's trying to obviously fix that with the whole food stuff with the you know the amazon stores all that stuff so exactly exactly and i think look they're they're working often with uh, they're beefing up their amazon Prime, right? Sure. By doing this, sure. because you, you get a, they'll one offer more products that they could actually uh, deliver to you with that two day service or same day. And it's, yeah, exactly or same day. And it's not clear though that um, I that that Amazon Prime is necessarily paying off uh, in the short term because it's expensive, right? Because effectively you, you could order a pen <laughs> if you wanted to, right? <coughs> if it's available, sure, and get it. Uh, in two days or one day, which if you think of it from a logistics standpoint, they can do it, but it's not necessarily, um, let's say, cost-effective for them, right? Yeah. So, so ultimately, the game is a long one, medium to long term, where you're, 
you're buying many components directly from them and they're the go-to place, but hopefully the amount of items that you're purchasing will offset any logistical and product costs in order to make a decent margin. Yeah, and you just said the the key word margin, right? <clears throat> That's why they're doing yeah. this. They they believe they can they can get more margin, which is the key to everything. It's the key to retail is margin, and Amazon knows that they can do a better job at uh, is at scraping some extra margin out of these uh, out of the logistics end of their of this part of the supply chain. So, um, good for them, I and mean, they're just going to keep doing it. So, we'll, uh, another another one we'll have to watch here. And I know the QPS and FedEx are obviously going anywhere, but they're going to have to. UPS and FedEx, I'm sure, will have to have their own modification in their model at some point soon as retailers keep just keep changing, right? They yeah, keep, exactly. They keep becoming more demanding, doing their own thing. Um, but you know what? Every other retailer except Amazon or Walmart maybe even uh, needs UPS and FedEx. So, <laughs> you know, I got to know how much this percentage is, though, of, of Amazon business for UPS. That would be right. interesting. That would be interesting. Awesome. Well, that that is the show, everyone. And thank you for listening. Questions, comments, feedback, you can send it to brickdatacast at gmail.com. Uh, you can find us on iTunes, Google Play, and Stitcher. And hey, Jose, I just created an Instagram account for us today. Awesome. Yay. <laughs> so you can find us on Instagram. We have one picture up there of me prepping for this. Not of me, but of the, uh, uh, I don't know. I just took a picture of prepping for this show. And it's up on at brickdatacast on instagram so we'll throw that on our page somewhere so uh, check us out there and you can see some actually who knows what you're gonna see there but it's you'll find out (laughs) (laughs) but until next time everyone take care and hey jose thanks man thank you thanks everyone